if y'all enjoyed last time our conversation with Trey, you're really going to enjoy this one. We're going to continue to talk about how the church shows up to love people. And I'm also going to share my own story of radical love, exhibiting obedience in a space that was quite honestly very frightening. But I hope you'll tune in and you'll enjoy what we have to talk about next. Welcome to the Sifted Wheat Podcast with Leslie Lamb, a counselor by profession, a minister of truth, and a lover of people. This is a safe place where she sets a path for others to learn how to move through hard seasons with confidence and grace, encouraging your faith, empowering your choices, and challenging your perceptions through the word, the wisdom from years of counseling others, and her own experience of being sifted. Here's Leslie. I love that scripture verse where it says, you know, when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And I love your interpretation of that. So can you kind of share with them what you've shared with me? Absolutely. And I believe what that is, is it's it's a call to generosity because you should be so generous that you give at such a rate, you don't even think about it. So your left hand doesn't know what your right hand's doing. It's not a, it's not a conscious thought. And that should be our challenge for life is, mm-hmm. is to be people that are so generous. We, we get caught up so very much in, do they deserve it? I was impacted. I'm sure this is a phrase that people have heard before, but people don't care what you know until they know that you care. Yes. And that was a, a pretty well-versed phrase when I was going through seminary. Mm-hmm. And I just, I really became, I hope I became a good student of that philosophy and theology. You know, it was funny because when I told my wife that you had asked me about doing this, I said, and she wanted to know if there were other times. And I, I mean, I can't think of it. And she goes, what? You can't think of other times. And I was like, what, what do you mean? And she's like, how many times did you come home from the church in Indiana and tell me you'd, you'd been to Indianapolis all day, taking somebody to the bus station? I was like, I don't know. She goes, I can think of five times you did it and the person spoke Spanish and no English and you speak English and no Spanish and you rode in a car for an hour to take them to a bus station. I'm like, okay, whatever. You know? right. and, and then she was like, and just a few months ago, I uh, walked up to the church one Sunday morning here in Monroe and there's a homeless guy on a bicycle right outside uh, sleeping underneath our awning. And I talked to him for a little bit and find out what he's doing. And he's like, I'm on my bicycle cross country trying to get from here to here. And he was trying to get into Mississippi, but you can't ride a bicycle on the interstate. So the closest bridge he could get to was either going 60 miles south or 60 miles north. Oh, wow. And I was like, on a bicycle? And he was like, yeah. So I was like, that's a two hour drive for me. Right. I drive a pickup truck. Hey, can we get all your stuff into the back of the truck? I don't know. Let's get you to Jackson today. (laughs) <laughs> right. But I, but it's that it's that sacrificial, right? Radical. Mm. Most people would say that mm. that is radical. But another thing that was unintentional, but I do love about this conversation is it's taking the stigma off of homeless people. Mm. Because I think that we have such obviously a fear-based culture mm. that a lot of times we'll lump homeless people in a danger. And I'm not saying that some people are not dangerous, sure. but some people who live in homes are dangerous. Absolutely, yes, yes. So, I mean, but I think it's good for us to see that, like, if, again, that's my caveat, mm-hmm. if the Lord is leading you 
then he is going to he's going to keep you safe in that environment. I mean, I truly believe that. And one of my stories is I was on my way to work. It's when I was working at the radio station. It's 4.30 in the morning. Nobody is up yeah. usually at that Great time. Great time to do something, you know. Absolutely. But I'm driving down Southside and I stop at a red light. And all of a sudden, I hear this banging on my window at 4.30, pitch dark in the morning. Terrified. Single woman alone. Single woman <laughs> alone. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what in the world? And I see that there is this sweet little girl. She could not have been more than 20. And her eyes are so big. Like, you know, she's dark skinned, but like the the eyes, the mm-hmm. white of the eyes, I will never forget it. It was yeah. like, that's all I could see. And I knew either she is high mm-hmm. or she is scared to death. Yeah. And I am scared to death. But I knew that the Holy Spirit was saying, open the door. Yeah. Open the door. And I was like, <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> right. I'm going to, I'm going to what? Yeah. <laughs> but I knew it. Yeah. Like you, I couldn't shake it. Mm-hmm. I was frightened in my flesh. I was like literally shaking. Yeah. But I knew in my soul that the Spirit was telling me to unlock the door. And so I'm like literally, over to the side of my car on the I'm on the driver's side and as far on the driver's side as I possibly can get and I'm literally talking out loud to the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit you better protect me because I'm about to unlock this door I don't know who I'm about to let in but you better protect me like no other so I unlock the door and she jumps in so fast and I, I say to her, like, okay, the Lord told me to open the door for you. So please don't hurt me. <laughs> yeah. Please be safe. Are you okay? And she's like, I need you to take me to the doctor. I need you to take me to the doctor. And I was like, okay, I will. What hospital? And she was like, you know, Conway mm-hmm. at that time. Yeah. And so I was like, okay. And then I think I've got to be on the radio in an hour and a half. Yeah. And I need to let my coworker know. So I call him and I'm like, hey, I am going to be late coming into work because I picked up someone on the side of the road. And he is literally yelling in the phone. You did what? Are you crazy? You are crazy. You are crazy. And I was like, I know it sounds crazy. And I was just calm at that point. I was like, I know. I know it sounds crazy, but the Lord told me to do this and I'm taking her to the hospital. And after I take her to the hospital, I'll be at work. And he is like steadily yelling in the phone about how crazy I am and all this kind of stuff. So I hang up with him because he's going crazy, (laughs) which isn't helping me. Appropriately crazy. Right, right. I mean, he did have reason to be concerned. He didn't hear the Holy Spirit. He did did, not hear the Holy Spirit. I did. And so I'm like, but then I'm sitting in silence with this girl and I'm like, Lord, why? What do I do? Like, and then all of a sudden, just this wash of love, like absolutely filled me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. I'm still shaking. My flesh is still frightened. But there's something counterintuitive going on inside my spirit. And so I was like, okay, Lord, I'm going to tell you love her. And so for the 15 to 20 minutes that it took me to drive her to the hospital, She told me her story and she was in a bad relationship, toxic relationship. 
it seems like she had either a botched abortion or a botched delivery. She literally showed me the scars on her stomach. Just broke my heart for her. And the whole time I'm just telling her like, God sent me to you. He sees you. He loves you. And, you know, you're going to be okay. Like he hasn't brought you to this point for you to be abandoned. And I dropped her off at the the hospital and I just felt like she wasn't, she didn't ask anything of me. Mm. She didn't ask anything of me except to give her a ride. And I prayed for her as she was getting out and she was again, totally receptive to that. And I was reaching for my purse because I was going to give her some money. Like I didn't know she could be waiting at the hospital for 24 hours right, for all right. we know. And so I was going to give her, I had some ones that I happened to have in my yeah, purse, which we machine. never have cash. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. And so I was like, I'm just going to give her this money and so she can get a snack out of the vending machine or something to drink. And as I'm getting the money out of the purse, I just felt like the Lord said, ask her her name, mm. which I love because I do believe that the Lord desires us to yeah. know one another's names. Yeah. But when I asked her and I asked her, I said, you know, I want to keep praying for you. I want to keep remembering you. Do you mind telling me your name? And she said, my name is Angelique. Mm. And I just was like, Angelique. Like, and I immediately thought about that scripture verse that says in Hebrews, like, be kind, right? And generous because you don't know that you might be entertaining angels unaware. Right. And like, I don't know, you know, it, it was bizarre. Right. Uh, <laughs> And I don't know much about entertaining angels and what that would be, but I did find it so amazing and so beautiful that her name was associated with that. Yeah, but like, yeah. And like your story, that obedience, though it was frightening for me. And when I got home and told Brian about it, and he was like, you did what? <laughs> right. But I'm safe now. So I can tell yeah, the story right, right. and we yes. can laugh about yes. it and thank God for it. But it did something in me. It changed me. And that was at the point where I was praying about being a source of healing in the world around me. And I know that the Lord kind of had to take me to those places to see like, hey, these are people. They have problems. They have struggles. They've been injured. They've been hurt. But I love them. And I see them. And I need you to know that kind of love for when you are in a space where you're meeting with these people and you're going to be a part of that healing process. And so I believe that you are a part of that guy's healing process. We don't know, but there's something healing in being seen and being safe and being comforted and being given things to, you know, being yeah. gifted. So that in itself is a blessing to this guy. And I'm sure that he knows that. And I don't know where Angelique is, but it's awesome if she's listening to this podcast. Right, like, I love you. I still pray for her. Like, yeah. I still think about her and I prayed blessing over her life. And I still remember those blessings and I still pray those blessings that she is safe yeah. and that she is happy and that she knows that Jesus loves her and that she is connected to him. So we never know. No, no. And, and I think to me, that's a part of the beauty of the story. I, I love, you know, that I'm like, I, I love etymology. I love the history of words. And I love that there are so many things that happen in the scripture where, where there's words that show up and they're like one and only time. And so you, 
you're not sure what they actually mean because they don't have a true Greek reference to it or a true Hebrew reference. In that, it allows us to write our story. Mm. The scripture that I used even just this past week was was talking about when we talk about the rich man and Lazarus and what was between the rich man and Jesus Mm. was the word kasmatos, which we in the English have a definition for the word chasm, but there wasn't a definition for that in Greek. It was considered to be just kind of this open word. And what I love about that is, what is it that's holding you back? What is the one thing that that you've placed between you and God? Because then we can all identify. Mm. That which separates us is most often the thing that we put there. And when we begin to pray prayers for God to use us. Yeah. You know, you you were talking about you were just in that space in that time in that prayer. It reminded me of a story of a of a of a lady that was in my church in Indiana who was going through a very difficult time in her own life, but she had recently come to Christ. And so she's driving down a four-lane divided road in the middle of the city and praying, God, I just, I wish you would put someone in my path that I can minister to. And as she finished saying those words, a woman ran in front of her car on the four-lane divided road and banged on her window like you're talking oh about. Oh my gosh. And she's like, get in? <laughs> right. <laughs> and turns out the woman was being chased by an abusive mm. husband which was exact problem that Mm. this woman was going through. So she brought her to her own home, which only had about four pieces of furniture because her husband had destroyed the rest of the furniture in her Mm. house before he got carted off to jail. And this is the woman in my church I'm talking about, her home. Yeah. And there was this instant connection and trust and vulnerability in this relationship, something that I as a pastor could have never walked into. And all of a sudden, Jeanette is the woman at my church is able to spend the entire day going and getting restraining orders applied for because mm. she knew how to do that, going and reporting it to the police officers and having everything set up and putting everything in place that needed to happen. And she just simply prayed, God, put someone in my path that I can help. When we can pray that prayer, God is going to use something that is very specific to us to address something that is very specific to someone else. Absolutely. And for me and this guy that I'm sharing the story with, it was my dependency on stuff and he didn't have none Mm. and me to be able to engage in that and learn from that. For Jeanette, it was finding a woman in the exact situation. For you, it's your prayer. How can I be emotionally and spiritually helpful to people around me? And all of a sudden, boom, there it is. I think prayer can be really dangerous. <laughs> By human standards, By for human sure. By human standards, yeah. yeah. Because you can be called to do something that is completely irrational, like the father. Right. Lifting his robe, running to his son, dropping to the ground where his son is, and calling for the ring and the fatted calf. Mm-hmm. That's irrational. This guy just stole one third of your wealth. And according to the older son, He squandered it, and I think the older son is kind of telling his own story, what Mm. he would spend it on, Mm. women and wild living. Right. Which I think is, again, why I identify with the the older son, I believe, is because I can always envision what I would do with that money, but I wouldn't have had the guts to ask for it. Mm. So, you've got this father who's just abandoning the norms. Yeah. And I think when we pray, and we pray specifically, God, use me, help me to show you to other people. You just don't know where you're going to go. That's right. But I think obedience to God isn't about what we know. It's about what He knows. And trusting that if He's asking us to do something, it is going to be worth our time. And it's ultimately going to display His goodness. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And so even in all of these stories, uh, and I love that, and I want to encourage people, like, I think we have this perception that if we do what God's asking us to do, then we're going to be met with adversity. You know, like, oh, I feel like God is calling me to do something. Oh, that's so scary. I don't know if I want to do that because he's probably going to make me leave everything that I love. Where? (laughs) What? Like, yeah. Has God asked people to move? Yes, he has. But did he leave them abandoned in that? Never. I don't see that story in his word. When when we talk about all this, what you said right there was, was reminding me of there's a big difference between ministry being sacrificial and doing things to help other people. But we live in a world right now that is super quick to, uh, we've seen this this move over the last 15 years or so. Uh, there's a need in the world. So we're going to put on this big concert and mm. everyone that watches it, if you text this number, you can give $10. And everybody's like, well, 10 bucks, that's nothing. That's easy to do that. And so we tend to laud the people who hold these concerts or something like that. But those people that hold the concerts usually don't actually give a penny. Mm. They gave a little bit of their time mm. and it looks really good on film, Yeah, but they really got more advertisement out of it for themselves than they did raising other things. And I know that's putting, again, older brother style, I'm mm. putting my motives into their yeah. heart. I know it's not 100% correct, but what that takes me to is the world tends to say that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. That means that the road to heaven is based on the outcome of what you do. That's completely wrong. The road to heaven is paved with God intentions, Mm. not dependent on the outcome of what happened. We get fearful that we're going to fail at something, and Mm. that's what keeps us from following those God prompts. That's true. What if God didn't intend for you to succeed the way you thought you should have succeeded? Remember, my guy is not my associate pastor. Right. 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 That was my dream of how this would turn out. Look, I've got this amazing success story of what Trey did. Mm. No, the takeaway story is look what God showed me and look what God may have shown him and look at what God is doing here and here and here and here and here and beginning to look around and realize that when our church becomes that place where you don't have to call the pastor to ask if you can do something nice for somebody. But when when your church becomes known as the place that just shows up and helps people, well, we didn't ask for that. No, right? No. We we heard that you needed help, and we just got some folks together and showed up. When you become that, that's what elevates God to this achievable entity that people are terrified of. A friend of mine started a ministry uh, several years ago where she and some of her girlfriends started going to one of the local strip clubs and loving on the strippers. Mm. Interesting ministry yeah. that I, as a guy, cannot do. Yeah. Right? But I have a friend in Thailand specific. who does the same thing yeah. with women who are trafficked. The first day she showed up at the strip club, she and her best friend are standing there and they're reaching for the doorknob and it took her four tries to actually grasp the door to open it because her mind kept going, will they love you? Will they accept you? Well, they see your motives as pure. Mm. And she all of a sudden went, oh, God, this is what they feel when they reach for the church door. It was transformational to her. And if we can begin to understand that when we just love on people the way God loves us, they become open to the possibility of God, something that's never been open to them before. And that is the first step 
to salvation. To go back to the phrase that I said at the beginning that was so transformative for me, God believed in me long before I believed in him. Yeah. I couldn't believe in him because I didn't even believe I had value. So when I don't give myself any value, how could I give anything else value? And God said, oh, wait, but you're valuable to me. Right. And when we can do the reckless abandoned things, mm. the things that, that a lot of other people would just go, you did what? Your coworker going, right. stop the car, get out of your own car, leave the keys to her, whatever, just run. You know, when we can do those things through the prompting of God, mm-hmm. not because we want to make a name for ourselves or we want to be on a podcast or a show and tell right. this amazing story. When it's truly a selfless act following the will of God, you are opening a door to someone who never saw God as an option to them before. That's what Jesus did. Every time. Grace and love is messy. Yes. If you're really, truly going to accept one of these kind of weird calls, it's never going to turn out the way you thought. There's always going to be a pain involved. Mm. And you're always going to find yourself blessed farther than you ever could have thought. My experience anyway. Yeah, and I agree. And I think that, you know, the whole reason why I wanted to talk about the love of God first is because that's what starts the gospel, right? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so it starts with his love for us. But then I'm about to move into another series called Out of Order. And Mm -hmm. it's that there's actually an order to the love that we are called to have too. Putting God first, loving ourselves and how that's different than the world's idea of self-love and loving others. And those three things have to be in place in order for that to be pure and unconditional love. And so I am so blessed that you came and did this with me. And I want to do this with you again because, man, we could totally talk about the church and superstar culture. I would go there with you any day. But I'm just so grateful for you as my pastor and your heart to shepherd. And I know that y'all listening, y'all had to, y'all had to hear that. He has a heart of God that desires to shepherd people and to go after the one. And my encouragement to y'all is go after the one, like be obedient to the spirit, pray that prayer, Holy Spirit, who's in my path that you would have me love. Right. That's all we're asking. Love them. And then what that looks like, that's between you and the Lord, because there's something he's put in you that he wants to give to them. And it's going to be very specific. Yeah. And I like the, the start with love from another perspective, too. Um, if you're not being authentic, people know it immediately. It's true. If they are a project, it's apparent almost immediately. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to hear. They're not going to hear what you have to say because they know that you are there to check a box. That's right. And we, we don't want projects. Mm-mm. No, we, we want to love people and we want to love people well. So I hope that, you know, everybody goes out there and loves well. Yeah. And uh, I love you and I love your family. And there's another thing that I do love about that whole interaction is that you and your wife were on the same page. Yeah. And you encourage her to feel what you were feeling by the Spirit. And I think that that is beautiful spiritual leadership in the home. 
And so I, I, I love that. And I've heard multiple stories about you and Amy in that respect. You know, it doesn't always spiritual leadership in the home doesn't always look like what people have said that that looks right. like. What it looks like is what you actually said. Right. The husband is being led by the spirit mm-hmm. and he's inviting his wife to be led by the spirit with him. And she knew she could say no. Yeah, absolutely. You made I that would, clear. I would have lived with whatever she said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But she trusted you. She did. She trusted that the spirit was leading you. Yeah. And it makes a big difference. Yeah. All right. Well, let's do this again. Absolutely. All right. Anytime. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening in. And join us for our next series where we're going to talk about the order of love. And like I mentioned in my conversation with Trey, why it's important and how we move through and love others the way that God first loved us.